Hello everyone, it is a lovely Friday afternoon and we're in Cambridgeshire. We are in Cambridgeshire, we are at Wimpole Hall at the wonderful Cambridge History Festival. We are, Wimpole Hall is to our right. James, I want you to not look at the house and I want you to tell me how many windows there are in it. There are probably a lot of windows, Sam. Guess. I come would on, imagine on. there are 103. <laughs> and 20... Well, it depends whether you mean windows or do you mean, do you mean individual panes, in which case there are probably several hundred. Oh my there God, are, it, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, hundred. 6, 7, 8, You've 9, got to stop. 10, You'll be here 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 panes in each window <laughs> times 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh, 180 just there. So let's go 180, uh, let's go 200, 400, um, 600, 800, um, 1,000 windows. It's a fairly significant display. It's quite a pile, isn't glacial it? Glacial wealth. Is glacial a word? If not, it should be. Yeah, it's amazing. So we've got the we've got Wimple Hall itself on our right, 1640s, I think it was first built. I think so. And yes. then on our left, we have a folly. I love a folly. So that to me is a it's a tower. It's like a full five-story tower, and it looks like there is ruins around. Ruins, it. but they they are they will be deliberately built ruins. Yes. So I suspect that's been built to look like an old castle, yes, which is fantastic. So built in the 17th or 18th century to look like the ruins of a 12th century, 13th century castle. Tremendous. I grew up with a folly in my back garden Did as you? a small boy. Yes, between you, Were you the brought age up of... in Wimple Hall? I wasn't. I was brought <laughs> up in a very ordinary house in a little, ta- little seaside town in Yorkshire called Hornsey. And it was the, the, my parents named the house Tower House and there was a, a folly in the garden. And it was, it was terrifying. Yeah. So the kind of place for nightmares. It's a bit of a gothic exactly. nightmare place, that isn't it? It is. So Wimpole Hall, we're here to do the History Festival. We are. We're doing the History Festival. We are talking in an hour's time. Andrew Roberts is currently on. He's doing an excellent church talk on Churchill. And Melvin Bragg as well, talking about one of his new books. Yeah. Who else is here? Lucy Worsley. Lucy Worsley uh, is Anthony here. Anthony Beaver, uh, the excellent Hallie Rubenhold, Neil Oliver, uh, Claire Mully. Um, and it's a great place. They've got a dedicated kids marquee, kids event thing which I've not seen before at a history festival, and I think it's fantastic. So if you've got family, you've got kids, you need to come to the Wimple History Festival. They had 500 kids here yesterday. Yeah. Which is tremendous. Over four days, um, and I think having a dedicated place for the children is a really, really splendid idea, because often there are these big marquees for adults to go in, and the kids are, you know, they they roar around outside, and it's all very good. I I, I was once invited to a history festival. It shall remain nameless. And uh, they said, it's it's going to be a proper adult history festival, so no kids running around. And they tried to sell that as a good idea. It's dreadful. They definitely got the wrong person to try and sell it. Yes, absolutely. I am busy, my friend. I am not coming to your festival. Take along along your entire family (laughs) and and their friends and run around the lawn. Wimpole Hall. What what does Wimpole Hall mean? What's the unexpected history of Wimpole Hall, Sam? Um... Well, looking at it now, I would say symmetry. Symmetry? As much as anything. There's a, there's a really interesting history of symmetry here. I'm not a very symmetrical person. It makes me feel slightly uncomfortable when everything is perfect. But this place has been beautifully designed in the classic 18th century way. I know Capability Brown, who was, he was a famous gardener. Can we call him that? He was a landscape Sculpt. architect. Yes, yes. Um, he's done it. So what's great about this place, well, it's, it's, it's an interesting historical observation, is that everywhere you look, kind of looks both natural and unnatural. So we've got this very formula, formulaic... Na- um, well laid out Well laid out garden. garden. So you've got symmetrical patterns of box hedges all the way around us, um, manicured 
trees. Um, so they've obviously been deliberately cut by humans. It's all, it's all about controlling nature on the one side. Then you've got this fence. And then on the other side, it is, in theory, wild. So you've got big elms, you've got big oak trees. We've got all sorts of uh, there's wonderful space and parkland. But the trick, of course, is that it's, it's not wild. It's been no. deliberately manipulated no. to be like it, that. Absolutely. For me, uh, Wimpole Hall is about lawn invasion. Hmm. Uh, the house, the house, sort of passed down several generations, and it ended up being owned by the daughter of Rudyard Kipling, who <laughs> lived here. And she got so annoyed with the hoi polloi coming up and gawping at her gates. Do you know what she did? She went to the local village and took a picnic and some friends, and ended up having a picnic on somebody else's lawn. <laughs> wow, to make up yes, for it. To, to make up for it, yes. I wonder if she had she much was, sympathy. She was, really, I doubt it. she was really cross. But it also has a splendid library, doesn't it? It does. It's got a splendid library, thousands of books. 6,000 6, or so books. And, and what is this is a National Trust property. And what's remarkable about National Trust properties is that they have inherited literally tens of thousands of books. Um, normally, when you're wandering around as a visitor, you, you aren't allowed to touch and you, aren't, you, know, you, you just observe the, the books. But the National Trust has got them all catalogued. And if you go to the right people, and there is a curator of rare books at the National Trust, several curators, uh, you're able, as a, as a scholar, and probably if you, if you had a letter of introduction, you would be able to go in and to look at these libraries and work through them. And what's interesting about a library within a house is about the reading within the household. So are these, were these books, these 6,000 books, merely for ornamentation? Were they merely to look nice on the shelves? Or were people actually coming down and reading them? And what's interesting is to think about the family, the people that were there, the kinds of books that are there, how they were collected over time, and who is going in and reading them. I'm that's a sucker for a library. That's amazing. Because we talked about the one in uh, Powderham Castle. Yes, we, we did. Family library. Yes, we did. So it's about how the collection was made and then you think about who who accessed the books how and when yes. um, the interesting thing about the inside of this house is that it was basically empty in the 30s right so it was stripped a lot of it was sold um so the collection inside which is really impressive is actually a new collection of old wimpole hall stuff uh, so it's come back a okay. lot of it so okay. it's not it's not a kind of one of these places which has had a constant level of occupation which is amazingly rare yes and if you if you ever think that somewhere has you're probably wrong and a lot of stuff has gone away or come back or it's not been on show everything changes the inside of these houses will change it'll be different in five years time different uh, five years ago um it's got a yellow drawing room. Did you know that? I did not know that. Buckingham no, Palace I haven't has been a yellow here before. drawing room and I did a bit of looking on the train up here and there are loads of houses and castles that have yellow drawing rooms and I know nothing about that but it's obviously a thing. It's obviously a thing. They, I mean, whenever, we should do some research on that. 18th of the 19th century, they, people started having yellow rooms and I'd love to know why. There's some kind of significance of yellow. It's uh, bright, it's uplifting, it's sunny. True, those are all true, but I think it's a bit more significant. <laughs> Is that relevant? Than that. Yeah. <laughs> I think there might be some kind of important cultural history to it. Well, well I was thinking people people were maybe. When we went to Stowe, did we, we went? Did we go into the blue room? There's a blue room. Yes, Stowe. we did. Yes. Right. So it's the same principle. Yes. But they 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 they're moving around yellow. the castles. It's, it's yellow. yellow, but yellows are here, and I've not been to the one in Buckingham Palace, and I really want to go. Oh, you should ask. You should ask to be invited to tea. Yeah. That'd be um, nice, wouldn't it? Do you know, for me, a house like this and a National Trust property is all about consumption of history. 
Wow. So it's all about the way in which the National Trust as a body packages up the past. I mean, basically what they're doing here is they're selling Downton Abbey in a particular way. It's sort of wrapped up and dandified and they interpret the past in a very sort of, you know, aristocratic, genteel. They sometimes do the sort of upstairs, downstairs way, but it's presented in a, in a particular way. What's great about it is the way in which they open up the past, the heritage of this country, to a very, very broad population. But they're doing exciting things with different kinds of interpretation, different kinds of interpretation strategies yeah. at the moment. I read a bit about it. They say you can go and explore the the, the basement and where the where the people downstairs used to used to work and where, where the servants lived. And it was presented as a very polarized upstairs, downstairs, simple downtown abbey thing, kind of which didn't thing. ring true to me at all. No. Um, and I'm sure that life was infinitely more complex than yes, that. But absolutely. Got to, I suppose you've got to sell a house and the different parts of it any way you can, and that's one way of doing it. Absolutely. Um, there's an interesting bathhouse in here. Oh, well, not a bathhouse. A, Have you been in? Kind of a, no, but um, I know that the, it was designed um, after the designer and the owner, I think particularly the designer, John Soane, had yes. just come back from Pompeii. Hmm. So he'd been to Pompeii and he'd seen the ruins in um, the 18th century and come back inspired and, and built, a, built a plunge pool. Um, and interestingly, they put it next to the chapel, which is a really weird place for a bath. And I'm, I you think pray and then you plunge. Yes, you do. <laughs> Did you know that Queen Victoria and Prince Albert visited the hall on the 27th of October, 1843? And it was, it was, they apparently listened to a series of speeches by local politicians, including the Earl of Hardwick. Dinner was served for 26 people. A ball was held. And um, Her Majesty then, on the following day, visited a farm. And this was all reported in the Spectator magazine. And I, I'll read you a little extract. The Queen and Prince Albert have returned to Windsor Castle from their visit to Cambridgeshire. Before the dinner at Wimpole on Friday, addresses were delivered to Her Majesty and the Prince from the county by the Earl of Hardwick, Lord Lieutenant, and it goes on, blah, 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 blah. Covers were laid at dinner for 26. At night, the principal apartments were thrown open for a grand ball. At the south end of the gallery was a dais carpeted with crimson cloth and on the dais a sofa covered with a beautiful piece of drapery given by Louis XIV to the poet Prior and by him to the Earl of Oxford, the possessor of Wimpole before its purchase by the Lord Chancellor Hardwick. The company began to arrive at nine o'clock and at half past nine the royal party repaired to the gallery. The Queen wore a light primrose-coloured silk dress, brocaded with gold and colours, a wreath of flowers with diamonds and emeralds, and the ribbon and jewel of the garter. Her Majesty took her seat on the dais, and the persons of her court and of the mansion ranging themselves on either side. The Queen opened the ball with the Earl of Hardwick, Prince Albert dancing in the same quadrille with the Countess of Hardwick. At half-past eleven, the Queen and Prince Albert withdrew, and after spending half an hour in the supper room, retired to rest. Isn't that a lovely little... That's brilliant. ...little bit? Yeah. See, I did my research on Wimpole Hall before oh, we came here. It raises the important question of the history of sitting. I it like does. the fact that Ooh. not only did she sit, but it was deemed worthy of recording that she sat. Yes. That's odd, isn't it? I'd assume that the Queen sits most of the time. Do you think she journeyed around with her own sofa? <laughs> or do you think they brought it out? I don't know. I'd love to. Maybe she had a special sofa built for her here. Maybe, I'd love yes. To be here. Yes. Um, Excellent. So we, uh, we're on in a minute. We will do our usual um, normal show, but we're doing a bit of um, investigating and research into our new show, which is going to be The Unexpected History of the Tudors. Yes. Looking forward to that. And actually, it's made, why it made me think about Windows, because there's a bit of 
bit of throwing people out of windows in the There Tudors. is, bit of bit of defenestration. There is. Um, and a little bit of it. If there was a window here you'd like to throw someone else off, James, which one would it be? I think it would be that top one. I think you could get out of it, there'd be a balcony. And you can you could um you could you could manhandle them out of the out of the window and push them over the balcony. Do you think you need an audience to throw someone out of a window? Is that the point of it? No, I think well, maybe I have no idea. Let me think about that I for a little more. I reckon you do. I reckon you do. I reckon you need a busy street and it needs to be a bit of a thing. Or is the symbolism of actually you've got a window, therefore you can throw it out in peace and quiet and, and you, 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 you... I mean, the idea is that you, you... I imagine part of the idea is that you disable or kill the person that you're throwing out of the window. Yeah. And it's, it's the ultimate insult to somebody... I can't stand what you're saying. Get out! And you hurl them out of the window. Which raises the the important question of the history of height. I reckon it's all to do with falling as well. Height's really important, because I don't reckon there's going to be a lot of people being thrown out of ground floor windows. No, no. So your choice of top's good. And I reckon you need a bit of of air time. Yes. And and I think you need an audience. And you need height. Um, The the Puritan diarist Nehemiah Wallington uh, tried to commit suicide by hurling himself out of a window... Hmm. Um, but it was it was too low down, and he survived. <laughs> Did he not die of shame afterwards? <laughs> the diary continued. <laughs> the next morning, woke up very embarrassed. Must try harder next time. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah. Well, should we do our little routine, which raises the, the important question, question of which, which raises, raises the important, the important question, which raises the important, important question, question of, of the history of, of gloves. Hands, hands, gloves, all sorts of things. Perfume, yeah. Hair, no, 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 no. It's hand, <laughs> hands, gloves, perfume, watches, hair, scar, smile, chimney, signatures, hands. Yeah, and it all, um, it all makes sense if you come to the show, guys. Yep. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. That's us over and out from our green room chat at Wimble Hall. We'll it is, it is a, it's a green, it's an outside <clears throat> green room. It literally is green because we're out here looking at this wonderful garden. Yeah, Chalk Valley next week. And then um, we've just found out we're doing the Gloucester History Festival in the autumn. Yes. So hopefully see you all there. Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.